Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. We're going to land on Jude 17 through 25. If you're wondering what chapter that is, well, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no chapters because there's only one chapter, so there's only verses. So I guess you could say chapter 1 because there are no chapter 2s. There are no chapter 2s. Hey, as you turn there, I want to remind you of a couple things. Um, you've seen these floating around all over the place. They're at the Welcome Center. Grab a bundle and invite some friends. Next Sunday night, next Sunday night, we're going to have a family night in here. We're going to uh, have snacks and watch a movie called The Star. It's a really neat story from an animal's perspective of the birth of Jesus, a fun animated movie that has a really powerful message. Um, and so we're going to ask you to bring your favorite sweet and salty Christmas snacks. And so we'll do that. We'll just enjoy some fun together next Sunday night. And then on the 16th of, of this month, we're going to have one final big give this calendar year. And so we're going to just be generous to the community uh, in the area primarily of groceries and, and, and just feeding them and passing out food. And so that's the 16th. If you are, uh, know that you're able to participate, I just want you to write um, on your connection card the big give. Big give, and then we'll know. But, of course, you'll need to put your name so we'll know, right, who it is. So uh, you can indicate that today. We're going to make plans. And we're going to, so if you look at the 16th of December, it's the best time to do an outreach. It's also the most difficult time. So we get the, it's the best time because it's right before Christmas. And it's the most difficult time because it's right before Christmas. <laughs> so I'm going to ask if there's any way you could help during that week. We're just going to be generous. Um, and as you turn to Jude 17, I just, uh, I want to remind you, of something we talked about two weeks ago, and that is uh, uh, the pastor, me. I, I, I called the church to pray and to act, and um, I reviewed some of the things that God has allowed us to do this year, and if you weren't here, I just want to review that real quickly. Your giving and your participating has allowed this church to give, this seems like a staggering number, but I've, we fact-checked it, um, 35 tons of food away to this community. 35 tons. Now, I'm, I'm always fact-checking numbers because I never want to be that guy that stands up and you go, yeah, I, I bet, right? Like I, so we always try to kind of round down and not round up. But we're, we're uh, let me rephrase that. We're on schedule, we're on schedule to distribute 35 tons by the end of the year. This week, we distributed 1,000 pounds. The previous week, 1,000 pounds plus. And so we're on schedule to do that. And I shared with the church that we had sort of a perfect storm in the area of finances. And that was uh, uh, giving is up from this time last year, but inflation is up significantly more. So that created a deficit uh, in the budget. Secondly, um, we got the unfortunate news from our uh, HVAC vendor, uh, that's the heating and air units, they condemned two of our rooftop units because of some problems with the heating and the heater exchange with holes and cracks, and it becomes inoperable and dangerous to operate because it's gas heat, et cetera. But what that means in practical terms is 
$44,000. We didn't see it coming. And so it creates this big divide, this big gap. And so I prayed and I asked the Lord, God, what do, we, what do we do here? What would you have me to do? And so the Lord put on my heart to begin a, a short-term campaign to raise $100,000 to close that gap and pay for the heating and air units and not have to pay interest at 9% on a loan to do that, but we could just pay it off. And so I held up two things. First is this. This is a plaque of a, um, an award that the church received in 2018 where, where the church was credited to giving $1.145 million to world missions. You heard me right. $1.145 million. Now, let me tell you what happened. What happened was I didn't know that. And along the way, we had uh, an anonymous donor, um, thank you, Frank, that gave over a million dollars to missions, to world missions, and credited our church. Two different, I checked it, uh, but they wanted to remain anonymous, and so they remained anonymous. So I hold this plaque up to say, God is able to provide exceedingly abundantly more. He's able. And then what we did is we said, okay. We're not going to, like, lean on a shovel and ask for a hole when God's going, look, I put breath in your lungs and blood in your veins. Dig a hole. And so I said, well, what's one thing we can do? So we grabbed the units off the top of the roof. I say we grabbed. The crane lowered them, and I asked I, the company, I said, can we keep them? They said, sure. So I called a bunch of guys. They came out there, cut them and spliced them and diced them and took them. We scrapped them out. So we got $605.06. So I know that Compared to $100,000, that seems like a drop. But you know what this is? It's a seed. It's a seed. This is, say, God, we're not just going to lean on a shovel and ask for a hole. We're going to do what we can and act. And so I prayed. And some of you joined me in prayer. And some of you saw me walking this property all Thanksgiving week in the rain, praying, uh, holding this over my head. I felt sort of silly, but I knew God had instructed me on what to do. So... Um, I just want to report to you that so far we have received uh, over $22,000 towards the goal. Over $22,000. So why do we do that? Let me tell you, we're getting to Jude 17 in a minute. Two weeks ago, there was a family that came in to receive food. We act as a, a middle person for the food bank. We pick up and distribute and sometimes purchase from them. And so this family come in, and, and, and the child has uh, uh, diabetes. I don't know how to define that exactly, how to say it exactly. Ch children diabetes. And the mom was um, here because um, to, to afford healthy food is an ordeal right now. I mean, you can fill up on junk, right? But that, that creates a problem in a child with diabetes. So they're here knowing that we have some supply and they're grateful. And the little girl runs over to the table and she sees a box of spinach. And she says, look, mom, spinach. Can we have some spinach, mom? Can we have some spinach? And the mom says, yes, baby, we can, we can have some spinach. And our leaders just packed up some boxes of food and sent it home. What I'm telling you is this. Your investment in the kingdom is producing fruit. It's producing fruit. And that's one of hundreds of stories about what God is doing. So it's not, 
It's not about heating and air conditions. It's not about the money. It's about kingdom stuff. So would you pray and ask the Lord if he would help you, what act of generosity could you do above and beyond the tithe? Jude 17. And as you do that, you can mark it next generation, next gen. We have a link for that. Next gen. Jude 17 says this. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere uh, natural instincts, who do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Do others show mercy mixed with fear? Hating, hating even the clothing stained by, by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, but joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore, everybody said, amen. So the focus of the book of Jude is found in the first few uh, uh, verses. It is contend for the faith. To contend for the faith. We look at the beginning. We see uh, that Jude is a servant of Jesus Christ. There was a problem in that local assembly of false teaching, some had slipped in among them, ungodly people, they perverted the grace of God into a license for immorality. By doing so, they denied the power and the sovereignty of the precious Lord Jesus Christ. And, and from week one on uh, October 22nd, we said first Christ followers are servants. We are first servants. We are called to serve, to find out where there's hurting humanity and stand in between heaven and the earth and relieve suffering, both temporary and eternal, by sharing Christ. Servants are called, not of our own doing, but of what he's done. He, what he's done. He's the orchestrator and the uh, organizer and the provider. He's the one that calls and equips. And the third thing we until we say yes. And the third thing we said on week one is servants are fighters. Servants are fighters. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth sacrificing for. Some things are worth, worth laying your life down for. And I want to land on the big idea that the best way to contend for the faith is to focus on the one who provides it. To focus on the one. So three ways to contend for the faith. Three ways. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And keep yourself in the love of God. So one, build yourself up. The first marking right here 
of keeping the faith. Jude warns, there's some that slip in among, and they have divided, they have led people astray, they've led them to destruction. And over and over between the first verse and what we picked up on 17, we see the description of how deadly and destructive those false teachings are, a license for immorality. The first markings of keeping the faith is first to remember what endangers the church. That's what Jude is saying. I've heard this said, and for my study of church history, I would completely agree with this. The greatest danger to the church is not persecution. Now, I'm not signing up for it. <laughs> I'm not begging for it, right? It is not restrictions to our religious freedoms. It is not immoral laws that are acted by powers or authorities or governments or whatever. The greatest danger to the church is not from without. It is not. It is from within. Look at church history. The church has thrived under persecution we can go right now to places that it is absolutely uh, uh, deadly to follow Christ. And the church is exploding. It's absolutely exploding. It, it's as if uh, the blood of the martyrs is fuel to spread the gospel. The church thrives under persecution. But he says, dear friends, remember what the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. And the last time there'll be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. Those people will divide you. They'll follow mere human instincts, natural instincts. They don't have the spirit. Jude reminds us there are dangers. There are those, uh, um, they were predicted a long time ago. And those who are called by God, loved by the Father, kept for Jesus Christ, were called to contend for the faith. And Jude reminds that church of what they should have already known. Let me read a few things that Jesus and the apostles said about that. Matthew 7, verse 15 says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come in as sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And then in Acts 20, it says this. I know that after I leave, Jesus says, savage wolves will come in among you, and they'll not spare the flock, even from your own number of men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So it's a drawing away after them, follow me, not follow Christ. It's a distortion. First Timothy 4 says this. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Friend, we're living 1 Timothy 4. We're living that. We need to be aware of that. 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 3 and 4 goes on to say this. From the time, for the time will come when people won't put up. Or they won't tolerate. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them great numbers of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. It's about uh, they want to have desires fulfilled, they'll seek out voices that justify those desires and they'll uh, surround themselves with voices, teachers who will say what they want to hear 
They'll turn their ears away from truth and they'll embrace myths. So we see not who all who, fo- who claim to follow Christ actually do. There are those who are not genuine believers who teach false things and cause division, divisiveness in the body. We need to know what is true. We, don't to- we can't tolerate sin. This is, uh, Jesus is merciful? How, hallelujah! <laughs> Aren't you thankful he's merciful? But this is what some of you were. You were this, you were that, but you've been washed. Say, he's merciful. But, but he, he, does, he doesn't tolerate sin. He, 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 there's the broad way and there's a narrow way. There's a way that leads to eternal life, right? If that is true, there's also a way that leads to eternal damnation. There is holiness and then ungodliness. If we don't contend for what is true, then we find ourselves, if we're not careful, guilty of embracing uh, every wind of doctrine. So we have to be careful. Where do we learn? Where do we get our thinking from or our theology from? And please, 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 I invite you, I encourage you, fact check everything I say. Go to the scriptures and read it. Go to the scriptures and read it. Learn for yourself. Take what we talk about here. Digest it. Chew on it. Let it, let it feed you. But, but don't just because someone says something, it sounds enticing. I want to know, where's that in the scripture? That's what I want to know. Right? I don't think that's being critical. I think that's being a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. Jude shows us how to keep the faith in the midst of ungodly influences. Two thoughts right here. Two thoughts. First, to surrender to Christ means to be disciplined. Okay? To surrender to Christ means to be disciplined. So how do you build yourself up? First of all, it it means to be disciplined. Second Timothy, I'm going to read some to you real quick. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not to be, need to be ashamed, but correctly handles the word of truth. Hebrews 5, verse 12. In fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You need milk, not solid, or you need, you need milk, not solid food. To surrender to Christ means to be disciplined. To be disciplined. The other side... Surrender to Christ means to be a lover. Surrender to Christ means to be disciplined. It means to be a lover. What did, what, what did Jesus say when he was asked, hey, what's the greatest thing you can do? What's the greatest command? He said, I'll summarize all the prophets and all of, uh, uh, of, of the law. I'll summarize them in a short little bite. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second one comes in right there behind it. Love your neighbors yourself. So Jesus says, loving God and loving people, all the law and all the prophets hang on those two commands. So to build yourself up means to be disciplined. It means to be a lover. Okay, so 
Um, I almost said, let's say, but the truth is, I am. So, I am a father and a husband. So, it was going to sound weird if I said, let's say I'm a husband and a father. You can say that. And if I say to my wife, who's sitting right here, front row, who loves me so much, she made me some chocolate yesterday, and she's going to rub my feet tonight, and just love her so much. The other Saturday, she woke me up at 9 in the morning mowing the yard. I'm like, honey, I got to sleep. Would you shut, shut the lawnmower off? I'm just kidding. I'm just... I, okay. If I said... Hey, discipline, schmiscipline. And I never set an alarm clock and like get up and go to work. I, I let everyone go to bed every night, never check the locks, right? Never teach my children about safety and the fact that not everyone in the world wants what's best for them. And some may wish to harm them. But I only tell them, hey, let's just have fun all the time. Let's just party all the time. Let's just stay up all night playing whatever video game. I don't know what's cool now. I almost tried to act cool, but I don't even know what's cool. And drinking Mountain Dew and rock stars because this house is full of love. You would say, I am not a good father and I am not a good husband. I have not fulfilled my responsibility. How can you say you love them if you were not disciplined? On the other hand, if I wake up at 5 in the morning every, week, every day, go to work, work 12, 14 hours a day, install state-of-the-art alarm security on my home, every window, every door, I buy three shotguns, one for every entranceway, a pistol for every car, give my kids mace, not mace them, but give it to them, put trackers on their phones, so I can watch them 24-7, install the latest smoke detectors and fire safety equipment, buy bulletproof backpacks, but I never show up at a school function. I never watch a game. I never kiss them goodnight. I never tell them I love them. I never hug them. I never laugh with them. I never encourage them. I never play games with them. I never take my wife on a date. I never tell her I love her. I never remind her she's the most beautiful woman on all the earth, and I never dance with her or hold her hand and laugh with her. You would say, although you're a good provider and protector, that's all you are. Your kids don't know you love them. They've never heard you say it. Your wife doesn't feel like a princess. You never tell them. You are disciplined, but you're not nurturing. You're not a lover of your family. We are fighters and we are lovers in the kingdom. We, we are called to be warriors and poets and psalmists. You, you're, you're, you're to be their leading protector, chief provider, biggest fan and greatest lover. My challenge for you today in your relationship with Christ is pursue him with the discipline of a warrior.
with the discipline of a soldier, an Olympic athlete, pursuing with a discipline like that, and with the adorning, affectionate love of someone who's madly in love with somebody, <laughs> and you would do crazy, unreasonable things and giggle while you do them. <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, gross. <laughs> All that lovey-dovey stuff. King David was a man among men. He was a man among men. He, he took the head of a giant off. And he danced in the street when the ark came home. And didn't care what anyone thought because he was a lover of God and a warrior. So, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Be disciplined. Be a lover. Ladies, let me tell you, young ladies, here's what you want. You want a man of God who is exuberant about the presence of God. Who's not ashamed of his Lord and Savior. He's not ashamed of his master. He's not ashamed of tears of brokenness and sorrow, because the shortest scripture in all the Bible is Jesus wept. He's not ashamed of those things. What you want is you want a man who's sensitive to the things of God. It's a call for us to rise up, be grounded, pursue him like a soldier, enjoy the Lord like a love song, like he's your best friend in the whole world. Enjoy the Lord like he's the king of the kingdom. Where's bride? Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Enjoy the Lord this Christmas season. Secondly, pray in the spirit. That's what the scripture says. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I think it would be very important for us to pause here Dissect this for a moment to glean as much as we can out of this so that we can follow Scripture and be an effective warrior and an effective lover. We together? I want to give um, a couple of Scriptures here. Romans uh, 8.26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray. The Spirit himself intercedes through us with Wordless groans. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, Ephesians 6.18, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Keep on praying for, the Lord's, for all the Lord's people. What are you praying over and over and over and over again? What are the prayers that you constantly pray, that he will make real in your life? What are you asking God to do with you, your time on this earth? What's in your prayers constantly? It's probably something like, um, if you're married, prayer marriage would be strong. If, if you have children, God, redeem them, Lord, uh, uh, save them, let them grow to their full potential. Let them, let them embrace you fully. 
I examine this for me, the overarching prayer is probably, would, would, I would say, right there are the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Um, make my life a way for people to reverence your name, whether it be through parenting or husbanding and relationship, marriage. Let what we do bring honor to your name. Thank God is honored with healthy, godly marriage. God is honored with uh, um, an orderly family, uh, loving kindness and discipline. And, uh, you know, when you figure it out 100%, you write the book and I'll buy it. And discipline and love and where grace meets order. And, and that's not always an easy one to know, right, as parents. And you're just trying to figure it out as grandparents. And I, I'm not sure if we ever figure it out exactly, but it seems to be a moving target. And we just pray for grace and pray for order. And we want what's best for them. And we're told to pray in the Spirit. Well, what is praying in the Spirit? Um, the best statement I've found is this. To pray that the Holy Spirit is moving, to pray that the Holy Spirit is the moving and guiding power of your prayer. So to pray in the Spirit is to have God be the moving and guiding power of your prayer, okay? I think those two words are important, moving and guiding. He's the one that moves, he, he motivates, he enables, he energizes our praying. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is our guiding guiding force. He, how, how do you pray? Who do you pray for? How does that work? So the prayer in the Holy Spirit is to be moved and guided by the Holy Spirit in prayer. Now, we are a Pentecostal church. I don't know if you know what that means exactly. I, I know that's a loaded phrase. Some people don't know what it means and... They think we have snakes under the stage or something. That's, that's not what that means. No matter what they do, other places. That's a perversion of scripture. But it is to say that the gifts of the Spirit didn't die with the last apostle. You can't find that anywhere in scripture. And we embrace that. Ephesians 6.18 says this. This one's on the screen. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. We're Pentecostal. I've already said that. Um, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in another tongue. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an endowment of power for gifted service. It's available to every New Testament believer. And a physical evidence of that... I believe the, the initial fit is to speak in other tongues. Okay. I pray in my heavenly language or the spirit often. Often, often, often. Oh, my goodness. Often. When I read this and I look at it in the context of Scripture, I don't think 
when, when um, Jude says, pray in the Spirit, that he means that to mean exclusively praying in tongues. I don't think that's what it means to exclusively. I think, I think it 100% would include that. The reason I don't think it's exclusively that here is because of some context. The first one is with all prayer and petition, pray at, at all times in the Spirit. Um, we can tell this here is, is, seems to be a broad context because Paul says we should pray at all times. In other words, all prayer should be in the Spirit. How many think that's a good idea? That when we pray to God, we would pray that he would move us and empower us to pray. If we're not, I'm not sure exactly what we're doing. Right? Praying in the Holy Spirit is, is, is one, uh, is not one form among several, but it is the way that we should all pray. We should all pray, being moved and guided by the Spirit. Second parallel passage is Romans 8, 28. The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses when we need to pray But we can't pray the way we should pray because we're so weak. You ever been there? Oh, God. And it's like to just to mutter the words, God, help me. So it's be natural to say praying in the Spirit to mean that we pray with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the strength and an enablement of the Spirit to make up for our weakness, right? He does, he'll make up for our weakness. The third parallel for this, to give clarity, is Romans 8, 15, um, second half, and verse 16. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, what's it say? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the point here is the Spirit of God helps us to have assurance, come on, that we're the children of God by causing us to cry out in prayer, Abba, Father, <laughs> You're, you are my Father. I've, I've been adopted into sonship. Do you know what that means? I'm an heir. <laughs> I don't move into the back storage shed. I'm welcome with a fatty calf. I'm welcome with a robe and a ring and sandals and a celebration. Here's my son. <laughs> We're welcome into sonship. In other words, the Spirit moves our prayers. He motivates. He enables. He energizes our prayers. We're moved by the Spirit. And we're guided by the Spirit. So, praying in the Spirit is to be moved by the Spirit and to be guided by the Spirit. So, it wouldn't be a surprise for us to say to pray in the Spirit 
is to pray in accordance with the will and word of God. We agree on that. So when we pray things like James 4, 3 says, just when you, that went up there real quick. When you ask, well, you'll have to fact check me. See, I told you. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask for the wrong motives, right? That you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Just because we pray for something doesn't mean anybody in heaven is obligated to move one finger on our behalf. Because apparently we can pray not in line with the will and word of God. You ever done, aren't you, how, how many would say you're so thankful that God never answered some of your ignorant prayers in the past? Oh my goodness. I prayed some of the goofiest things because I'm so short-sighted, right? I'm, I'm trying to dance move there. I'm so short-sighted. I, I don't always see, as a matter of fact, I don't see a lot. I need him to help me. So we're guided by the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit would mean not only experiencing power to help when we're weak, but guidance to help us when we are confused and foolish and irresponsible and selfish, right? How do I how do I do that? First is faith. I trust God that He knows best, and I am limited at my best day. He knows best. That's why Jesus said, "Our Father, guard heaven, hallowed be Your name." Let your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So our prayers agree with the will and the word of God that's being accomplished in the heavens. Bring it to the earth. Let me line up, help my praying to be in the spirit so that I ask God to move me accordance, in accordance with his power and his purpose, plan, and vision, his will and his word, so that when I get in alignment with him, things happen. Things happen. He moves us along by his power. He guides us by his, by his word and by the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We put confidence trust God for the help we need to pray, right? We're too weak, too confused, too depressed, too angry, too dull, too melancholy, too whatever. Don't assume you can't pray. Worship team, come on. Don't assume you can't pray. Instead, consciously look from yourself to Christ 
into the mercy of God and trust him to help you. Even if it's only produced groanings too deep for words. Learn to distrust yourself and to trust him. God, I pray you give me a Gucci purse and a Lamborghini and a winning lottery ticket, $20 million. I pray you give me a husband that plays in the NFL. I pray you, not me, of course. I, of course, that wouldn't be a little God. <laughs> I just pray that you would, you know, you just get blah, 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 blah. And God's like, oh, man, you need to go drink some milk and eat some meat, man. And you know what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with asking God to line you up with his blessing and provision. But we are so short-sighted. And there's too much kingdom stuff at stake. So we let our prayers be shaped by the word of God. That's why it's so important to, to live in the word and memorize it and, and read it out loud and quiet and listen. We're shaped. Build yourself up. Pray in the spirit. That includes glossolalia. That includes tongues. But it's not, in my view, I don't see that as the only, the exclusive thing. The third thing is, keep yourself in God's love. Oh, yeah. Of course. Keep yourself in God's love. All right. We've got way too many notes. How do I land this right? By building yourself up in prayer, by keeping yourself in the love of God, you contend for the faith. See? Keeping believers safe for eternal life is what the book of Jude is all about. Identify those fruitless, faulty, Doctrines that lead people away from Christ so they would, could be saved. The letter is about perseverance, about contending for the faith. Perseverance is something that you do. Build yourself up. You pray. It's not the only part of the context. Jude 1, verse 1 and 2. Back to the beginning. Here's what it says. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Those who've been called, who are loved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ, mercy and peace be yours in abundance. I want you to focus on that word kept. Some translations say kept by Jesus Christ. Some say for Jesus Christ. I don't want to major on the minors, but I think this is a significant, empowering point to make. Who's the keeper? Who's the keeper? I think if you look at the end of Jude in 
your Bible, if they have notes, it says like the doxology. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. To make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. So who's the this? Verse 25 makes it clear. It's God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. To the only God our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, forevermore. Amen. So, here's where you land. The one who is able to keep you from stumbling to make sure you arrive in the presence of God, blameless with great joy, is God our Savior through Jesus Christ. So God the Father is the ultimate keeper and he acts through his Son because of what Jesus has done, because of the sacrifice of Christ, the blood of Jesus. That's our gateway. That's our provision. That's our covering. God's action is decisive. Kept. Our action is dependent. God's is decisive. It's a done deal. Our action is dependent. If you say God is the de decisive keeper of my soul, then I don't need to keep myself in God's love would be like saying, since God's the giver of life, then I don't need to breathe. That's ridiculous. Breathing is the way that God uses to sustain us. To our spirit, prayer is like breath to the body. That's what I'm saying. So don't ever think. Since God is the decisive keeper of my soul, and I'm secure in him, that I don't need to be vigilant to pray for perseverance be like saying living beneath water and never coming up to the top for air is a fruitful way to live breath prayer is sustaining power that God uses so I can't spend as much time in prayerlessness sinning as I am prayerful serving and say it won't make any difference. <laughs> that would be foolish. It's critical for our life. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Be a warrior and a lover. Come on. Don't be a stoic provider. Get out of my way so I can provide for everybody. Be a lover. Pray in the Spirit. 
with the empowerment of God, right? And the guidance of Him. Don't, don't pray foolish things. Ask God for help. Ask God to guide your prayers. Ask God to line it up with His will and way and His purpose. And keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love. Oh, enjoy your salvation. Enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. Don't just be disciplined, disciplined, disciplined. Enjoy Him. Have joy. Because Christ has come. <laughs> the Redeemer of the world has come. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Here we are, God. We are um, stunned how much you've done for us. We, we're stunned with how much you love us. We can go nowhere and escape the love of Christ. Nowhere. God, we thank you for that. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that masterpiece. Would you just let the, the Lord just wash over you right now? Let him just wash over you right now. calming spirit that he has for you. There's a peace that he's made available to you. And there's a power. There's a power that he has for you. If you're here today and you say, first of all, I need the peace of God. Either I'm a believer, surrendered to Christ, and I'm experiencing turmoil. I just need the peace of God to come. Or you say, I'm not fully surrendered to Christ. I realize that's a problem. Therefore, I need his saving peace in my life. If that's you and you say, I need peace, I'm a believer and in turmoil. There's some of you today that you are confused about your circumstance. You, it has created great confusion for you. And I'm, you, you, are, you have a hard time seeing with clarity. But you have this mustard seed faith and you are saying, Hey God, I, there's turmoil. I'm asking you for clarity. That you know that God wants to clear things up for you. He wants to bring you out of the ambiguous into the clear. Out of the confusing into understanding you need the peace of God about any of these situations pastor pray for me pray for me I need peace with him 
or I'm in him, I need peace in my circumstances. That's you. Count of three, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. One, two, three, all over the place. All over the place. All over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. I need peace. I need peace. You're here, and you need power. Some of you that just raise your hand need both. You, as a matter of fact, I would say all of us who raised our hands need both. You're here, and you say, you know, I just, I just need some power. Just the tank is running low. I just need to be refueled this morning. I need power. I need the power of the Holy Spirit alive in my life. That's you. Lift your hands all over the room. Count of three. One, two, three. I need power this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could all of us all over the room stand to your feet real quick? All of us stand to your feet real quick. Um. We're going to sing a song. And I want this to be organic. I want it to feel organic. Um, I, wa- I, want, I, want to, I want you to respond. I want you to respond as if Jesus is here to be. We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.